0: in a deep relational way. And so this summer, uh, we're we're trying something a little bit new. Our Wednesday night programs uh, will be coming to an end at the end of the school year. Uh, Youth group will be continuing on uh, during the summer, but the rest of our our, and women's Bible study will be continuing on during the summer. But the rest of our normal Wednesday night programs, we, we like to shake things up during summer and give some different options, some different things. And so what's kind of birthed out of this question is something called summer circles. Summer circles. And and, and so I I want us to be able to expand our circles to get to know people uh, a little bit better. So this summer, what we're going to do is on a weekly basis, get together with the the same group of people. And it's going to be eight weeks long. So it's going to start June 4th and it's going to run all the way through July. Uh, We're going to be going through the book of of Romans in those weeks on Sunday mornings. And so when you get together with your your circle, your summer circle, you guys get to discuss more about uh, what you've been reading in Romans, what God's doing. And so it's just a chance to go deeper with people, to get to know uh, people on a more uh, uh, relational level and and going deeper in God's word, get to pray for each other. So that way we know, hey, what's going on in your life? What can we do? How can we help? How can we be there for each other? So I'm excited uh, to go deeper in those things. And they are, just some of the details, we'll show the the next slide up here. We're going to have four different circles that you can sign up to be part of. We've got signups over in the Connections Room. You can start signing up today. And uh, they are split up by times of the week. So we've got one group meeting on Tuesday nights, uh, one group meeting on Wednesday nights, one group meeting on Saturday nights, and one group meeting on Sunday nights. Uh, They'll take place all throughout the different communities and things, so you can uh, search for all the info there. We'll be figuring out some locations, but they all meet at 7 p.m. at night. So what works with your schedule? what, What day do you have off? I encourage you, get plugged into one of those, and uh, it's going to be great. We've got a couple co-leaders for each group, and, and God's going to do some incredible things through these eight weeks of Summer circles. So I encourage you, sign up today. They begin the week of June 4th, and again, all go all the way through the end of July, and God's, I just believe, is going to use this as a great opportunity uh, to help us, not just like the person sitting next to you, but get to know them and, and care for them, and uh you know, lift each other up, because we're a lot better when we do life together. And, and we can really grow. You know, the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. And that's what those groups are going to be. Uh, a time for you to come together, discuss God's word, pray for each other, hold each other accountable. Hey, how are you doing? How, how are you reading your Bible? You know, what, what's God been doing in your life uh, this week? And I just believe God's going to use this to do great things in our church. So sign up for those today over in the Connections Room. I haven't had a chance to say it to you guys yet, but happy Mother's Day. Not to the guys, but to all the ladies in here, all the moms in here, all the uh, moms and grandmas and great-grandmas, and maybe we've got a great-great-grandma in here too, uh, and expectant mothers. And and so happy Mother's Day. I hope that... uh, you know, you you've gotten a nice card, or maybe you got breakfast in bed this morning, or uh, you know maybe yesterday was just a day devoted to you. But hopefully, you can put your feet up and and have a, a great day. So, happy Mother's Day uh, to all the moms out there, and uh, Happy Mother's Day, yeah! Give it give it up for the moms. You wouldn't be here this morning without your mom, but uh, and and so also I. Thank my mom and my dad are in the building this morning, so if you haven't met uh, my parents, Andy and Lisa, be sure to do that after service, and uh, maybe don't ask them too many questions, but no, no, uh, I'm so glad to have you guys here, and happy Mother's Day, Mom, happy Mother's Day, Angie, and and, uh, for me personally, uh, excited to have have you with us today. All right, well, we are on part four of our Q&A series and, and so I, I'm excited. This series has been all about uh, encouraging you guys to ask questions. Ask questions. Go deeper. Don't just skip over things. Ask tough questions about life, about the Bible, about God. And, and so we're looking at real questions that you have, and we're looking to the Bible uh, for answers this morning. Where's my Bible? There it is. Uh, we're looking to the Bible for, for answers, real solid answers. What, what does God want to speak to us today through these questions, through these answers? So in this series, we've looked at uh, questions like, how do I get rid of idols in my life? We've looked at the question of, what happens when I pray for healing and, and, and nothing happens? Why, why does that happen? Uh, we looked last week at, can you fall away from Jesus? And if you fall away from Jesus, is there a way to come back? Is there hope for a loved one who's, who's taken their own life? So we've looked at some deep questions. You guys have had some, some big, thoughtful questions. And today, uh, we are, we're looking at one of the questions that was submitted, and we'll just jump right into it. The question today is this. All I want is for my kids to serve Jesus, but how do I raise them to be godly when they are exposed to so much filth in school, movies, music, and culture? Have you ever wondered that one yourself? Right? How, do, how do we raise godly kids in an ungodly world? That, that's the heart of this question. How do we raise godly children in an ungodly world? And, and so we, we all fight this battle. You know, moms, dads, you've been fighting this battle uh, for many years. Some of you are sitting there and, and uh, you're still fighting this, even with adult children. And you're just saying, how can I raise my kids to serve Jesus? Have you noticed that the, the world around us just seems to be becoming more and more ungodly all the time? More and more immoral, and, and the things that we allow in, you know, were maybe taboo 20 years ago, and now those things are, are celebrated. See, with the rise of moral relativism, uh, where everyone has their own truths, you know, my truth my truth, your truth is your truth, and the greatest uh, value it seems like we have in America today is tolerance, you know, that's, that's what we're all about is, well, you just, you stay in your bubble. I'll stay in mine. Let's just not offend each other and, and, and all of those things. And with no foundation, with no moral compass, with no fixed point, no wonder we're getting out of control, right? No wonder why we can't stay on the right path. No wonder why things are getting out of hand. So when we have a, a child in today's world, there's a temptation to just shield your kid, right? Anybody been tempted to do that? Just, All right. No movies, no music, you know, we're just going to go live under a rock. And, you know, that sounds nice because we want to protect our kids. We, we love our children. We want to pass down our faith to the next generation, but there's so many outside forces that are trying to influence them, that are trying to do all these things. And, and so we try to protect them and we try to shield them, but, but it, it's impossible to completely shield our kids. Uh, temptation's going to come. I mean, living in this society, they're, they're going to see things that they probably should never have, have solved, But but this is the society we live in. So how do we do that? Parents, this is what you're up against. Uh, Surveys have been taken in American society today uh, talking about what they view as moral or immoral. 79% of the people today believe that divorce is is moral. There's nothing wrong with it. 73% of Americans surveyed uh, said that sex outside of marriage is moral. 69% Uh, of Americans surveyed said that uh, gay or lesbian relationships are are moral. 68% said that gambling is moral. 67% uh, believe that having a baby outside of marriage is is moral. 54% said that doctor-assisted suicide is moral. 47% said abortion is moral. And 40% said that pornography is moral, there's nothing wrong with it. So I mean, just think about some of those stats of uh, there's a majority of Americans who say, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's just a normal part of life. Uh, nothing to look down upon it. Nothing Nothing against it. Now, on top of that, there's, you know, you got to put up parents with, with bullies at school, or, uh, you know, you're worried about your kids, and and, you know, just the the sexual abuse that, that happens out there. So you're worried about sexual predators or uh, technology and social media, the, the ever-increasing availability of, of pornography on, on devices and, and uh, gender identity that they're teaching in schools. And, and like I said, some days living under a rock doesn't sound all that bad. You know, just, hey, can we just get away from all this stuff? Can we, can we get away from all the garbage? So what do you do? Because you can only shield your kid for so long. You you can only do that Uh, because the problem is that if you you shield them their whole life and then you send them off into the world, you send them off to college and and they get exposed to it all at once, it's, oh, system overload. How do I handle it? I don't even know how to process it. So how do we raise godly kids in an ungodly world? Now, before we jump into it, uh, for any of you out there, you're thinking, well, I'm not a parent so I can take this one off. I'm just going to start scrolling through my emails or you know, catching up on my sleep. Uh, don't, don't do that yet, all right? Uh, because I believe this message applies to everyone. I believe it applies because someday you may be a parent or maybe you're the cool aunt and uncle, right? And you need to help. Uh, how, how do you raise nieces and nephews? Maybe they don't have a Christian influence in their home, so how can you uh, help raise them? How can you help show them the way? You know, grandparents. And, and besides, to raise kids, I mean, it takes more than just a mom and a dad. It's an essential part, but it, it takes a church. You know, we, we come together. There's going to be Sunday school teachers. There, there's going to be babysitters, right? There's going to be uh, nursery workers. There's going to be so many different people. Uh, you know, our kids, they need somebody to come in. I love seeing it a lot of times. Uh, there's, there's kids in, in the church here, and they've got their designated people that they've got to give a high five or a hug to every Sunday. You could be one of those people, right? That you're just loving on uh, kids and, and helping having godly ins- influences for our kids. And, and, and so I'm just so thankful that, that as a church, we can come together and raise up the next generation. We, we've all got parts in this. So definitely pay attention today. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. The Bible has a lot to say about godly parenting. It's got a lot to say. It's got a lot of wisdom. Proverbs has a lot of wisdom uh, about how we can raise our children uh, to serve the Lord. I'm thankful that this question is is nicely answered in the Bible. So we've got some good information. But the first thing we want to start out with from Psalm 127 is kind of a, a focus change. It helps us get our priorities in the right place. And so that's why I want to start off here today. Psalm 127, verse 3, says this. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So if we want to see our kids serve Jesus, then I think the first thing we need to do is change the way we see them. Uh, and, And so the first point today is children are a gift. Children are a gift. This this passage clearly lays it out. Children are a gift. It says they're a heritage from the Lord, or they're an inheritance. They are an inheritance that's been passed on to you that God has entrusted you with your kids. They're not yours. They're they're God's kids, and he lets you raise them. He he lets you invest in them. He lets you pour into them. Uh, It says that, that if you have kids, they are a reward from God. They're a blessing. They're like arrows in your quiver. And blessed is the one who has a full quiver. Anybody got a full quiver of kids out there? A few of you? All right. And you know, on day one of your kids, you know, you get them home or, you know, the, you, you're you holding that little precious baby in your arms and you look at him, and you you think that day, man, this child is a gift. Right? You can't argue with that. Little, little toes, little fingers. You know, just kind of that little alien look. They're looking around trying to figure out what, what is this place. And, and, I mean, it's really easy on day one to say, this child is a gift. But then on days two through, you know, whatever, they don't feel like gifts every day. Anybody relate? You know, when all of a sudden that diaper can't contain everything anymore. It doesn't feel like such a gift anymore. When the kids are arguing and fighting with each other, don't quite feel like a reward anymore. Like, God, why is this my reward? You know, keep your inheritance. Uh, you know, they, they complain about, you know, supper, and you spent half the day cooking it, right? They don't feel like gifts then. Or your kids said those three little words that, that just cut to the heart, I hate you. God, why did you send me this one? They borrow your car, and they crash into a pole because they were texting and driving doesn't feel like a reward that day your kid lies to you your kid gets in trouble with the law and and not every day do they feel like gifts right this is the parenting ups and downs and so it's it's hard to view them as a gift every day uh, there there was one time uh, a couple years ago we we took the family and i think it was maybe the first time uh, we brought everybody out to the the mall of america right and you know, what, what a great day. We're, we're excited. I mean, this is, this is Angie's favorite place in the world. You know, just stores everywhere. And, and it, we, we work out because my favorite place is Target Field just across town. And, and so it works out well. She goes there. We go to the field. No, we, we were all at, at the Mall of America that day. And so we're going through. We got the stroller. We're doing all this thing. And and shopping's really fun for about 30 minutes. And then it's, the kids are whining, or the kids are like, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? No, 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 you can't. It's like, can we go to the dad bench and just hang out there for a while? You know, Angie, you go out, you, you do your thing. And, and so it was just a long day uh, of doing all that, trying to tell the kids, no, keep them in, in balance. And, and finally, we're going back to the, the hotel. And we had a hotel that was connected to the mall there. And, and, uh, and, and so we're, we're getting over there, big hotel, it's got... 12 stories or something like that so a bunch of elevators and our our precious little ella who's been whining all day is like can i press the button dad can i press the button so she hops out of the stroller and she runs up ahead she presses the elevator button the door opens she hops in and i realized at that moment oh no what if the door closes so we start sprinting to get to the door and the door closes before any of us can get in this elevator right? We're, 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 we're in Minneapolis. There's tons of people. This, this place has got four elevators, and there's 12 floors. And so I'm trying to tell her, press the door open button. I'm trying to open the thing, and, and it doesn't open. And, and so at this point, we're like, what, what do we do? And so I'm trying to tell, you know, Ellen there, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And all of a sudden, the elevator takes off, and I just hear my little girl screaming. This was one of the scariest moments in my life, right? I, I just hear that. And it was one of those places where you can see what floor they go to. Well, we still had the other kids. So I, I said, all right, Angie, I'm going to stay here and make sure that, that nothing happens. You go up and, and go chase her. And we just don't know. You don't, how can you trust people, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to take this little girl who's just wandering around. And so we see, you know, it goes up to floor three or something like that. So Angie goes up to floor three. And she's not there and then we're following the elevator but all of a sudden I can't hear the screaming anymore and and I don't know where she is and and she's lost so Angie and I were we're talking on the phone trying to figure out all right where's our little girl where's our little girl and and Angie runs into an actually a bride and groom they had just gotten married and and you know have you seen my baby you know have you seen my daughter you know she's a little blonde headed kid And, and they're like well we saw a little girl somewhere so now the the bride and groom are helping Angie search frantically across the building and I mean we we were getting so nervous we didn't know there's so many rooms they could have been pulled she could have been pulled into any any room I mean this was this was huge we didn't know what we were doing and so we're talking on the phone we're trying to figure it out eventually we come up with the plan all right we're going to call the front desk and and just report her as as she's missing we don't know I mean we're searching floor by floor by floor by floor and and there's just no signs of her We, we can't find her anywhere so I hang up with Angie and and uh I go to crawl the front desk, and as soon as I do that, uh, a family walks out with our little girl, with Ella, and I've never hugged her so hard in my life to see her. And so I I tell Angie on the phone, we found her, it's okay. The problem was, I wasn't on the phone with Angie anymore. Angie was still frantically searching the hotel, and it wasn't until five minutes later that I realized that I never told her. Uh, You know, and, and so we're running, well, let me tell you, man, that night... I, I don't care how bad they were or how rough the day was. My kids were a gift that night. I was so thankful to have Ella back. I was so thankful to hold her in my arms. And, and the next day as we ventured off, we strapped them in a little tighter. Um, you know, we made sure they didn't go press any buttons, but I didn't care. I didn't care how much they whined. I didn't care how much, you know, they, they asked for Cinnabon or whatever the smell was coming in their nose. I was just thankful to have them. Because our children are a gift. And sometimes we need that reminder, even though they can be difficult sometimes, even though they, can't, they, they don't listen sometimes or all the time, even, even though they make messes, even though they make mistakes. Every day we need to remember our kids are a gift. They're a blessing from the Lord, right? That's what they are. They're a reward. They're an inheritance. They're, they're not ours, uh, but they're God's, and, and he entrusts us to them. Uh, and trust them with us. And, and so I'm so thankful for our kids. And, and, and so I encourage you, have a, have a change, have a check in perspective. And, and that's, that's one of the first things we can do uh, as as parents, to raise godly kids, is to view them the right way. This is a blessing from the Lord. This is a blessing. This is a reward. So now that we've got that perspective in check, uh, open to Deuteronomy chapter six. We're going to spend the rest of the time there. Deuteronomy chapter six is is a great passage because the book of deuteronomy is is kind of moses's farewell speech so to say moses uh we talked about moses and his origin story quite a bit just a couple months ago and uh this is he's 120 years old he's led the the people of israel out of egypt he's led them through the red sea they've wandered in the wilderness they're about to enter the promised land and so that's what's going on here. Uh, he's speaking to a group who's largely under 40 years of age. This is, this is the next generation. These are the people who need to know it. They, and most of them hadn't even seen the Red Sea experience. They've seen the manna. They've seen the quail. They've, they've maybe seen water from a rock. But most of them weren't slaves in Egypt. These were the, the next generation. And so when you read it with that understanding, uh, it takes on a deeper meaning because Moses is putting in all the key things that the next generation needs to know. He's putting in all the things. Hey, you want to pass down the faith to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation? Here's what you need to do. Here's how you. Because I'm not just setting you up for the next couple of years. I'm trying to set you up you know, for eternity. Pass this on. Pass this on. So here is one of the key elements that he passes down concerning how to stay faithful to God from generation to generation. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 1, says this. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey." Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So I love this. Literally, Moses is answering the exact question that we're asking today. How do I raise godly children in an ungodly world? How do I pass my faith down to the next generation? Because Moses is saying, hey, here's how you do it. Here's how you pass it from one generation to the next. And we're going into a pagan land. We're going into a land full of immoral people. And here's how you keep them. Uh, here's how you keep that relationship growing. Here's how you, you stay pure. Here's how you, how you continue to grow even in an ungodly land. So I love it when God gives us direct answers to questions. You know, sometimes it's, well, here's a good principle. Here, here's this. But literally, the Bible addresses how to pass that faith down to the next generation. So verse 4, we keep reading. Here's his first instruction. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So this is the first thing that he tells. You want to pass down your faith to the next generation? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. See, if you want your kids to follow Jesus, it doesn't start by bringing them to church it doesn't start by enrolling them in the Christian school. It doesn't start by make, uh, having you memorize or making them memorize scripture. See, these are all good things. But the first and most important thing that you can do, if you want them to have uh, an increasing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus, is for you yourself to have a relationship with Jesus that's, that's growing and flourishing. That's where it needs to start, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. So uh, the next thing that we need to do is model it. We need to model the faith for our kids. You want to pass it down to the next generation? You model it, because you can't pass down what you don't have. Think about that. You can't pass down what you don't have. You've heard the phrases that more is caught than taught, or actions speak louder than words. And it's the same thing with our faith. You know, we can teach our kids so much, but if we're not living it at home, it's not going to matter because they're watching you. They're, they're catching what you do. They're, they're catching, uh, they're picking up on those things. They're, they're seeing your actions. And if they don't line up with the words, you know, something wrong with that. I mean, think about this uh, kids pick up on stuff that we do through modeling, right? We, we tell the kids, hey, get off the tablet, get off the TV, get off your phone, you know, put, put down the video games for a second, you know, go, go outside, go re- you know, we tell them, you, you know, you're addicted to this. And then what do we do next? We're sitting there scrolling through our phones. You know, do what I do, not what I, or do what I say, not what I do. That's what we're telling them. Or we tell the kids, hey, don't yell across the house. You know, go down and talk to your sister down there. Don't just yell at them from across the house. And then what do we do? We're about to go out the door, kids, get over here now. What are you doing? Get your shoes. Come on. What are you taking so long for? Wait a minute. Didn't we just tell them to stop yelling across the house? But it's okay for us to do it. You know, what do we model? Where did they learn it from? You know, we say, hey, kids, stop eating candy. No candy. Eat healthy stuff. And then we go eat all the junk food, right? We eat their Easter candy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You got to do it while they're not watching, guys. No, that's not, that's not it. Uh, it's funny, in our, in our house, uh, our oldest, Luke, he'd be sitting around and he'd be like, hey, dad, can you go get me, um, you know, can you get me a snack? Dad, can you get me a tissue? Dad, can you give me a book? And he'd ask me to do these things. And so my common, you know, very good parenting response was, you've got two legs. Go do it yourself. <laughs> Which was true. He needed to get off the couch. He's being lazy, right? So then one day, I'm working on a project, and sitting at the table. I said, hey, Luke, can you, can you go get me the tape? You know, I need that. You see where this is going. And he told me, Dad, you've got two legs. Go get it yourself. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you know, that hit home. You know, I'm learning my lessons. Man, parenting, it's, it's an experience, isn't it? We don't have that instruction manual to start out with. We learn on the way. But kids, they, they pick up. Your actions they, they see what you do, and they, they mimic that. So do we practice what we preach and not just preach at them and tell them this is the right way, but it doesn't apply to me, right? We've got to model it first. You know, Jesus, when he was uh, speaking about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, a Pharisee in that time in Jesus' time was a teacher of the law. Someone who is supposed to be passing down the faith from generation to generation. This is how you live. This is, this is what you need to do. Right? They probably taught this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. They, they absolutely taught this. But yet when Jesus saw them, he saw, but you don't model it. You teach it, but you don't live it. And so in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus tells the Pharisees, our, Jesus is telling his disciples, so you must obey them. You must obey the Pharisees and, and do everything that they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. I don't want that to be said of us. No. I, don't, I don't want Jesus to say, hey, kids, listen to your parents. Just don't do what they do. No, I, I, want, I, want, them, I want us to be able to tell the kids, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. Let, let me show you the way. Let me show you what this example, uh, you know. Kids are going to catch things. So do your kids, do they catch you when you're reading your Bible? Are you reading your Bible for them to catch you, right? Uh, Our kids will catch us praying. Our kids will catch us sharing our faith. And they're going to learn a lot more from that than you telling them, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. But when we model it, when we show them, this is what it means to follow Jesus. They're going to learn a lot more. So do we practice what we preach, right? Do we practice what we preach? So if you want your kid to have an ever-growing relationship with Jesus, if you want them not to just simply attend church, not to just go through the motions, not to serve, just serve Jesus while they're in the house and then do whatever they want once they graduate, then the best thing, the absolute best thing we can do is to model it, is to live a life, to have an ever-growing relationship with Jesus and to show them what that looks like, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our strength. The next thing, if we keep reading Deuteronomy chapter. 6 verse 6 says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So listen to this passage. It it says, uh, again, these commandments, God's laws, these, these things I'm passing down to you today, this is what Moses is saying, you need to first have them on your heart. Because if you don't have them on your heart, you can't pass them down to the next generation. But then he says, uh, but impress them on your children. Impress them. This word impress, when it's used other times in the Hebrew language and in in the Old Testament, it means to pierce. It it means to uh, sharpen your sword. So it's literally saying, you know, take these things that are on your heart and impress them. Pierce to the heart of your kids. I mean, Tattoo these things on your kids. Help them to understand, you know, how big this thing is. Impress them in their lives because these are important. It says to talk about them when you, when you sit at home or when you walk on the road, when you get up and when you go to bed. So in other words, all day long, teach these. Teach these principles. Pass the faith on to the next generation through your words. So may you view your entire life as a way to teach your children about the gospel. So not only do you need to model it, but the the third thing we need to do is, is teach it. We need to teach them. Now, teaching doesn't work so great if we're not modeling. But once we model it, now we need to teach it. So how can we practically teach our children? How can we impress the good news? How can we impress the gospel into the next generation? So let's get real practical Uh, Today i'm going to give you several different ways that you can pass along the faith the next that you can teach it The first one's this read your bible together Read your bible with your kids Go through a devotional, you know every day have that set time Maybe it's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning Or maybe it's the last thing you do before you go to bed Maybe it's at the supper table where you get around and you just get into god's word Because i i've found that as you do this your kids are going to start asking you questions I don't understand it. Mom, what, what does this mean? Dad, what, what does this mean? And, and so build that habit of getting in God's word together, going through a devotional together. Maybe you read a chapter a day, whatever it might be. But God's word is, it transforms lives. So let's start reading the Bible with our kids. Second thing, pray with your kids. Pray with your kids. So that could be a good start is bedtime, mealtime. But don't stop there. Right, Pray with them in real life situations. Pray with them when they're hurting. They're hurting, don't just give them a hug and tell them everything's going to be okay, but, but stop and just say, hey, let's, let's just pray. You're going through something? We can pray right here, right now. Let's do that. Because that's teaching them. Uh, when you're grateful, you know, hey, when you got the promotion or something good happens or uh, you got a bonus check in the mail or something, take time to stop and intentionally pray and thank God. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing. Because when you do that, not only are you thanking God like we should, but you're teaching the next generation that this is is what we need to do. This is how we should be thankful. Pray when they need help. Pray pray bold prayers. Don't, Don't be shy, but pray bold prayers. And don't just pray for them. I challenge you, let your kids pray for you. Let your kids pray for you. Because we need to teach them and train them. Can you imagine if you're You were, uh, you know, teaching your kid how to drive. And so to teach him, you never let him drive. You just let him sit in the passenger seat and you say, all right, here's how you do it. You press on the gas, you do this, this is how you turn. No, eventually you got to say, all right, get behind the steering wheel. You know, make this happen. That's that's the only way they're going to learn and grow and figure this out. Same thing with prayer. Let them pray. Let them pray for the meal. Let let them pray before bedtime. You don't have to do it all yourself. Let, Let them do that. And continue to pray. Train them up. Teach them how to talk to Jesus. Another thing we can do, very simple, go to church. Go to church, right? Build a Christ-following community around your kids. Because, again, it it takes, what what do they say, it takes a village, right, for us. It takes a church to raise your kids. Let's come together. Because if we're not connected with the body, you're missing out on a lot of godly influence that your kids can have. A lot of uh, great adults and great friends uh, that can come alongside them and and, and push them. Because, uh, man, friendship is so huge as a kid. If you want your kids uh, to to grow, help them to, you know, line some things up so they can have some godly friends around them. That's really going to be a big growing point for them. Uh, Like Joshua made the statement, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Right? As, As for me and my house, as long as you're under my roof, hey, we're going to church. Right? We're gonna get connected. We're, we're gonna jump into a summer circle. You're, we're gonna invest in you. We're going to, you're gonna to go to camp, right? You're, you're gonna to go to youth conference. You're gonna to go to kids conference. Because we believe in the next generation. We believe that God wants to do incredible things. And that really takes off when we come together. Another thing you can do too is once you take them to church, follow up with them. Follow it. Today when you take your kids home, ask them, hey, what'd you learn in the kids zone today? Hey, what'd you learn in youth group on Wednesday night? What, what, what's God been speaking to you lately? They may not answer you every time, but give them space to talk. Give them space to grow. And the more you ask those questions, the more they're going to start opening up, the more they're going to start having responses. So that's, go to church. Uh, next thing, bring Jesus into the conversation. Bring Jesus into the conversation. Uh, I love this one. Uh, because sometimes we, we don't think about that necessarily, but this is a great way to, to teach our kids. You know, instead of just... Commenting on nature like, wow, what a beautiful sunrise or beautiful sunset or uh, any of those things. or Start talking about, man, Jesus really just made a beautiful sunrise this morning. And just little things. Bring God into that conversation. Man, I'm so grateful. Look look at what God has done. Isn't it funny how God created all of this? Isn't it amazing the detail that he put in into the stars in the sky or, or whatever? So the next time that you see something in nature that just instead of saying just, man, I love your smile. What if you said I love how God gave you such a beautiful smile And you just put God into that picture because it's true or I love how silly God made you I love how special God made you and you just remind him that of those truths daily daily that, that God made you That God created you We don't like this one, but it's True any parents in here ever lose your colt, lose your cool or get too angry Right. You don't have to admit it here. Maybe it was this morning but we do that, right? We don't, we're not perfect. But how about when, when we do that, we take that as a, a moment where we can just apologize to our kids and, and, and ask God for forgiveness. And we bring Jesus into the story and we can even use that as a teachable moment where we share the gospel. I'm so thankful that Jesus died for my sins. So even times, hey, mom and dad mess up. But I'm thankful that God forgives us. Will you forgive me? And we can bring the gospel, even in the times of our failures. Another thing we can do is, is use teachable moments. Use teachable moments. Like we said earlier, it's virtually impossible to shield our kids from, from every influence out there, from all the, the things that this world has to offer. And we can't protect them all their, their lives, so we don't just give up and, and let them run wild. But, but when they are exposed to something, let's use that as a teachable moment. And ask some questions. Maybe you come alongside and say, hey, what did you think when that happened in the movie? So rather than just ignoring it or hiding it or pretending like everything's okay, or, um, what if we just use that as a, as a teachable moment? Hey, what, what were the consequences? Why, why is that bad? Why isn't that good? Why do you think, uh, point them to scripture. You know, look at what Jesus says about this. Or maybe how did, how did you feel when you made that choice, when you went off to that place that you shouldn't have gone to? Right Here, Here's the consequences. Here, here's the why. What do you think Jesus would do in your shoes? See, Jesus was amazing at, at teachable moments. I, I think of the story of you know, Jesus and his disciples, they're there and they're watching people come and, and give and they see all these wealthy people giving a lot of money and they, they see this widow give just two coins. And Jesus took that time to have a teachable moment. He said, they're all given out of their wealth, but she's given out of her poverty. She, she gave more than anyone else because she gave it all. She gave all that she had. And he used that as a teachable moment many times, that, that Jesus would, would see these things and he'd pull his disciples aside and, and, and teach them. And that's what we need to do with the next generation. That's what we need to do with our kids. Find those teachable moments. Take advantage of them. The next one, discipline. Discipline. The Bible talks a lot about discipline. Uh, Proverbs 19, 18, here's one verse. It says, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. So you can tell your kids, the Bible told me to discipline you to give you hope, right? I don't know if that'll fly with them, but uh, it's true. I mean, it's true. When we don't discipline our kids, when we just let them do whatever they want, that's a slippery slope. That, that is, that's not, so we need to, to discipline our kids to keep them on the right path. We discipline them because we love them. Because we want to say, guys, there's a better way, and I know that if I don't discipline you, there's a much scarier consequence ahead than whatever discipline I give you, and than grounding you, and then taking away your phone. This is minimal compared to what could happen if you don't listen. See, sometimes we can buy into the lie that uh, maybe we shouldn't discipline them because we want them to like us, we want them to be our friends. But here's the problem with that: you're not their friends; you're their parents, and we need to be their parents. We need to correct them. We need to guide them. That's a a biblical principle. Now, on the other hand, we we can't just be so harsh with them and and lose our cool with our kids uh, because when we overreact to when they mess up, well, then they get scared. Then they don't want to come to you when when they mess up. They want to hide things or they want to lie to you because they know, oh, mom's going to lose it here. Dad's going to lose his cool here. So I'm just going to avoid that. So we need to, as, as parents, realize, okay, I need to discipline, but I need to be able to have a conversation here. I need to be able to, to talk about this. I need to be able to tell them, you know, why we're doing this. Again, bringing Jesus into the conversation. And the more we do that, the easier it's going to be. When we discipline our kids, a, a big part of it, and a part I think we often miss because it's, you know, our tempers are flaring or different things are going on, but we need to explain the why okay, why are we disciplining you? Why is that bad? Because sometimes they don't understand why is it bad to go to that place? Why is it bad to do this? Why is it bad to hang out with these people? Why is it bad to use these words? So ever, ever stop to just tell them the why. I'm not sure how this happened, but in our house, uh, and I'm thankful for it, but our kids are deathly afraid of saying a bad word. I mean, it just, it causes them great fear. It's actually kind of funny to watch. Uh, because they're just like, oh, no, did I just say it? Because the best part is they don't know what a bad word is. They haven't figured that out. And, and so some days, uh, Ella came up to me the other day, and, and she was just bawling. And Luke is sitting there. Ella said a bad word. And, and Ella, the tears are streaming. I'm so sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry. I, I have no idea what's going on. You know, just Ella said something bad. So I'm getting over there. and I'm like, okay. Well, I kind of need to know what she said. Anybody ever been in that situation? I don't want her to say it again, but I, I need to make sure that she knows what a bad word here is. Right? I need to tell her, you know, the why behind it. And so I'm trying to calm her down like, Ella, what, you know, what's going on? Can you just tell me the first letter? You know, just tell me what, what is it? I'm trying to figure out. She's like, it was W. W. You know, now I'm going through my head. W, W. I've heard a lot of words out there, but I don't know. Okay, can you just, you know, give me the first sound. I said What in the, I'm like, oh, no, what did she, you know, let's just stop there. She said, I said, what in the world? (laughs) To where Luke explained, that's not, that's a bad word. You can't say what in the world. When I say it, I say what on earth? (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, guys, you missed the whole point. Nobody's in trouble. Nobody said anything bad, all right? Just calm down. They just didn't understand the why. They, they didn't get it. And, and, and so we needed to stop and just talk to them about what bad words are, and, and not explain give them bad words, but to let them know why, why we shouldn't talk about these things. So I appreciated their heart, but they just didn't have the knowledge or understanding. But we've got to discipline our kids. We've got to explain the why. Jesus was a master at, at explaining the why. He was a master at, at, at discipline. Many times he had to correct his disciples, many times. When they had the wrong attitude or the wrong idea, he corrected them when they were shooing kids away. Oh, get away from Jesus. He's like, no, let, let the little kids come to me. When they were asking for a special spot in God's kingdom, he had to give some, some discipline, some correction. He had to explain the why. When they lacked faith, he had to explain the why. He didn't avoid difficult conversations. He, he jumped into those, and, and he used them as teachable moments. In the Sermon on the Mount, he repeated that phrase, you've heard it been said, this but but let me tell you this i say to you right and so he said you've heard it said don't murder and you think okay that's a good rule but do you understand the heart behind it i'm i'm telling you don't just murder but anybody who who says to their brother that they hate them is as guilty of committing murder because it's not just about the action it's about the heart and he explained the why behind it. You've heard it been said, don't commit adultery. But let me tell you that anyone who, who looks on another with, with lust has already committed adultery in their heart. And, and so he explains the, the why. He goes to the deeper truths. See, Jesus was great at, at being a level-headed disciplinarian, right? He, he knew how to do that. He knew how to correct them. He knew how to not lose the cool, but, but be able to talk to them and explain the why, explain the heart. Uh, in verses 8 and 9, it gives us a couple more ideas for ways that we can teach the next generation. Uh, verse 8 says this, tie them, talking about God's commandments and God's laws, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them down on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See, at that time, there was very few copies, if any copies, of, of God's word, of this, this law. Moses was, was describing it all, so it wasn't like they could just go to the Bible at home and open it up and start reading it uh they would just hear it at different festivals and things the the reading of god's word so they would do is take that and and they would write down a few key verses or or mark a few of those tie it to their hands so they would remember so they would keep it in front of them so a big thing that we can do with our kids is is memorize scripture memorize scripture with your kids you know, now we have access to the Bible, but, but take some time to learn verses. I mean, write them down on a card, put them in, uh, on your mirror, put them on the refrigerator, put them places that you're going to see and think about that daily. Maybe you have a verse of the week uh, that you keep rotating in your house, but memorize scripture with your kids. Uh, that's one thing I'm so thankful for. You know, my parents were awesome at this. My dad was the junior Bible quiz coach, and uh, we we've got that program here as well. And it was a great way just to get Scripture to the heart of kids. And, and that was something, you know, every night, you know, every weekend, we were sitting there studying the Bible together, trying to memorize, get these truths inside of us. And it's something that hasn't left me since. And, and so I'm thankful for that. How can we do that for our kids? How can we do that for the next generation to memorize Scripture with them? One other thing from this passage is it says to write scripture, to, to write God's commands on the door frames of our house, to write it on the gates. So that tells me we need to be public. We need to go public with our faith, to not be ashamed of the gospel, right? To, to get it out to not be ashamed that, that our next door neighbors know that we serve Jesus. So that's something we can do to pass it down to the next generation is, is to not be ashamed, to, to witness to our neighbor right, to share our faith with the people around us, because that's teaching our kids, that's teaching the next generation, this is okay, this is okay to be a Christian and be unashamed of it, so let's be unashamed, let's, again, model that, let's share our faith. You know, Jesus, he was, he was an amazing teacher, he was an amazing teacher, he knew how to teach the next generation, and those truths have been passed down and passed down and passed down to us today. You can see his teaching all throughout the Gospels. But he not only taught it, he modeled it. He lived it. See, he not only taught the, the concept, if you want to be my disciple, then you must deny yourself, take up your cross and, and follow me. But he lived that. He, he took up his cross daily. He literally took up his cross and he went to the cross. And, and he died a, a shameful death. He didn't deserve that. You know, Jesus lived a, a perfect life. And he willingly gave up his life and took our punishment. He, he took the, the pain and the torment that we should have experienced, but he took that upon himself. So that way, we can ask him for forgiveness. I mean, he was the ultimate example. He not only lived it, he not only taught it, but he did it all. He modeled it. He, he taught it. See, this is, this is the gospel, that, that Jesus died for our sins. And even though we are worthy of punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We deserve to die. But Jesus took in and he stepped in the way and he took our punishment for us and he died. And when we believe in him, we can have eternal life. We can have eternal life. And and so this is the gospel that we need to pass down to our children. Lana, if you would come. So parents today, you are the main teacher of your kids. You're the main teacher. You, you are responsible for raising up the next generation. And church, we're responsible. We're responsible to pitch in, to help each other out, to be godly influences so we can raise up that next generation as well. Proverbs 22.6, this is a truth that, that we stand on. Train up a child in the way you should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it so we believe that that what we do now matters those conversations that you have with your kids matter reading your bible with your kids matter, the way way you live the way you model it matters because it has an effect on their entire life Ephesians 6 4 says fathers do not exasperate your children, instead bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord right, that's Let's bring up our kids. Let's bring up that next generation to love Jesus with everything that they have. See, teaching isn't just a, a simple little section that we have, but it's it's an everyday thing. When we when we rise, when we go to bed, when we're sitting, when we're walking, every part. Let's train up our kids. And we can do that as we discussed today through three different things. Start by changing our view. God Help us to view our kids as a gift every single day. Every day, their gift, their reward, even when it doesn't feel like it. Lord, you bless me with them. Help us to model it, God, right? Help us, help us to do the right thing. Help us to, to apologize when we mess up. No one's perfect, but we're all chasing perfection. May that be something we do every day, is to chase perfection, to be more like Jesus. And lastly, to teach it to take that time to pass it on to the next generation, to tell them, hey, this is, this is the way to do it. Let's look in the Bible. Let's, let's go to church together. Let's use those teachable moments. Let, let's discipline our kids to teach them that there's a better way. And I believe that as we do these things, that, that God is going to help them to raise up to be godly kids, even when the world around them is ungodly, that they'll be able to stand up, and, and they'll be able to make their faith their own. And make that decision to say, Jesus, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Would you close your eyes and would you bow your head for just a moment? And actually, would you stand with me as well? I just want to pray for you. I want to pray a blessing over you that that God would move in your family moving your kids, for, for those maybe first time parents out there, expecting parents, that, that God would just raise up this gift right now. That they would follow Jesus all their days. So I just want to pray a blessing over you and your family. If, if you want to, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to do that, today we want to give you that opportunity. Today all you need to do is simply say, God I believe that, that you died and that you rose again. Lord, would you be the Lord of my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? And, and you can even say that just, just right now, and it, right where you're at, right in the pew, and you can pray that prayer. And if you do today, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to, you can fill out that Connect card. We'll be in touch this week or catch me after service. I want to celebrate with you. God, God's doing amazing things. But let me just pray a blessing over you. Jesus, I, I thank you so much for what you're doing in the next generation. God, you have entrusted them with us. God, God, you've given us these kids. They're they're not ours. They're yours. But Lord, may every day we view them as as a reward. May we view them as a blessing. Lord, give us the wisdom to train up our children, to fear you, to love you, to serve you. God, help us to model it every day, to, to live our lives in such a way, God, that we can pass our faith down to the next generation. May we stay dependent on you. May we stay surrendered to you. Lord, help us to teach. Help us to take advantage of teachable moments. Help us to to bring our kids up in the word. Help help us to bring them up in in the family of God and in the church. We're not in this alone. So Lord, I pray your blessing on each and every parent and grandparent, great-grandparent. God, on every expectant mom and dad in this building today. You give them wisdom. You give them the greatest gift that that their kids would would grow to know you and serve you. For those who have prodigals, who have run away, God, I pray that you bring them home. God, I I, I pray that you would turn their lives around. So, Lord, your blessing on your people today. Your blessing on the next generation. We love you, Lord. Teach us. Help us to follow you all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Have an incredible week, and a happy Mother's Day. Again, these altars are open. If if you need to just spend some time with Jesus, I encourage you to find a space.